You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on this season of Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 358. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Our first Big Brother podcast of the season. It is with Rob Has a Podcast live recapper, also a Twitch star. It is Taryn Armstrong. We had him on around this time last year. And this guy follows everything going on in Big Brother World. I'd love having him on and brought him on this time to kind of break down where we're at in the show and look forward to what's coming up and who he thinks has a chance to win and all that. And we'll get to all that momentarily. So Taryn is somebody that, as you know, live recapper and just as a disclaimer, I guess, to start off the podcast, Jared... Excuse me, Jared. I call him Jared. Sorry. Taryn, we are going to be discussing spoilers up to this point because you have not seen tonight's episode yet, assuming you're listening to this Thursday before it airs. We talk about everything that's been on the live feeds up till this point because you know me, not following the live feeds, but for this particular episode, I did want to be spoiled about what's been the latest since... We know, if you don't know by now, I'm sorry, but we know that Cameron won Sunday's competition. So he will decide tonight if he's going to compete or let Jared compete. He has told people in the house he is going to compete, but it seems like he's not going to know what it is that he's competing in until they walk outside. Then I guess he technically could change his mind. But as of right now, that seems to be the plan, that he doesn't know what he's even competing in until they walk outside. But it looks like he doesn't want to put his fate in Jared's hands And he's going to do it himself, which I totally understand makes all the sense in the world. However, there is other stuff that's gone on this week in the house that Taryn and I go over that I wasn't aware of. And it seems like alliances are now flipping yet again. So he fills me in on everything that's been going on. We kind of break down what exactly happens um, if going forward, certain people make it to the end, who he thinks is the winner, who he thinks is AFP, who's the front runner right now. It kind of lined up with mine. I gave him, you know, after tonight, there's going to be 10 people left in the show. I gave him only four names that I think can even win it. Honestly, I just, there's six people that I just, I don't see winning. He's a little more open because of a smaller jury. He thinks it might not be as hard to garner four votes than it is to garner five if it's a nine-person jury. But I still, I only see four people have a chance of winning this thing and get if they get to the end. And he has a clear front runner who he thinks is, he flat out says, it's this person's game to lose. And I can't say I disagree. So we will... You'll hear that coming up. A lot of good Big Brother talk, and I love talking to Taryn. And maybe we'll have him on at the end of the season. I don't know. But uh, I want to see how this thing plays out first. If it plays out as he suspects, probably won't have him on because he'll be like, hey, I told you this, you know, uh, five, six weeks ago. But we'll see how it plays out. We also talk about the fact that Survivor Season 45 premiered last night. Now, when we recorded, we hadn't watched the episode yet, but we do about 10 minutes on Survivor. It's history. The fact that there are 90-minute episodes this season, something we've never seen. We talk about strategy. We talk about editing, and we talk about blind sides, stuff like that. Good conversation about Big Brother and Survivor in today's podcast. So uh, that's coming up shortly uh, with Taryn Armstrong. Also, my daily roundup is up in your feed. It was posted a couple hours ago and discuss what's going on tonight, Thursday night. I mean, from this point forward on Thursday night, things are starting to get a little tricky, not tricky, but just filled up. I mean, with Thursday night football, with one hour of the Golden Bachelor, with two hours of Bachelor in Paradise, with the live show for Big Brother. And then in a couple weeks, House of Villains on E! Good thing they moved F-Boy Island Season 3 to Monday nights. We'll definitely be watching that. But yeah, and it's just, it's a, 
it's a very crowded night. Now, as I mentioned earlier this week on the Daily Roundup, I think what it's going to come down to is this is straight my coverage of Golden Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise is straight going to be just on podcasts. I just don't have the time and the energy to put in a column when I know people just don't read anymore. I've seen the numbers. And unfortunately, yeah, if you're like, Steve, I, but I read. I like reading it. It's like, I, I'm sorry. If you, if you were in my position and you understood where the market is moving to now, um, you might understand better why I don't write nearly as much. I will write when Bachelor and Bachelorette roll around, but the fact that they move this to Thursdays, the last thing I want to do is write a column on Fridays because Fridays are just not a day that people are reading. Hell, most people, um, even back in the day when I used to write five days a week, it was always dwindled and Friday was the least read day of the week. And let's be honest, I'm not really going to criticize much going on on The Golden Bachelor because the second you criticize, it turns into, oh, you're an ageist. You know, it's just like, that's not it. I might have some things I want to say about the show, but these women are all over the all over 60 years of age. They've had way more life experience than most people watching, and they're out for a second chance at love. Sitting here and just going off on them and criticizing them. It just doesn't seem to be something that's even smart to do. It doesn't even really make any sense because we all know these women are not going on to build a brand. They're really not. So it's easy to criticize Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelor, Bachelorette, the men and women that go on those shows and make a joke about Instagram here or a TikTok joke here because we know ultimately they're all out to build a brand. These women aren't. These are women that some of them have divorces in their past. Some of them have, um, some of them are widows. Some of them, uh, I I don't know if every single one of them has been married at one point, but for the most part, a lot of them are looking for a second or even third chance at love. And who am I to sit here and criticize them for that? I mean, good luck to them. We kind of know already who's in the final three, so we already know who who are the ones that last the longest, and we know who the final two are. But still. Even if you're out on night one or night two or, you know, road ceremony number two, road ceremony number three, it's just there's no need to sit here and just absolutely go to town on these women. My thing is I'm really wondering if Bachelor in Paradise is going to take a lot more heat this season because we've never seen a show like Golden Bachelor before on any network where it's this age of people dating. And right after it, you're going to have a bunch of 25-year-olds prancing around on a beach hooking up in hot tubs and hooking up with multiple people that I wonder if the Bachelor in Paradise audience, after having just watched Golden Bachelor right before it, are going to be a little more critical, like, oh, this is such smut. Why do we even watch this? The Golden Bachelor is so pure. That's what we come for. You know, I'm I'm curious. I'm sure some people out there will have that opinion, but I want to see if like a majority takes that stance because Golden Bachelor is so new and just something that not a lot of us are used to. So I'm looking out for that for sure. Don't forget, this podcast is brought to you by DoorDash. Need fresh groceries for the week but don't have time to go to the store? Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. And here's the thing. You've used DoorDash before, right? They deliver from your favorite restaurants. Now you can get it from your favorite grocery stores. Thousands of grocery stores to choose from. You'll find the best in your neighborhood. Also, boost the local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered, or they'll make it right. Sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them for yourself. You want even more value here? You can get $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. Easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support. DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. I've been on DoorDash Gosh, it really picked up for me during the pandemic, and then I really needed it last August through December when I was laid up with a boot on my foot for tearing my Achilles. It came in so handy because the last thing I wanted to do, instead of going to the grocery store, obviously I would get stuff delivered to me from my favorite restaurants, but when it was grocery time, the last thing I wanted to do 
was wheel myself out to my car, put my scooter in the back seat, hop to the front seat, drive to the grocery store, pull the scooter out of the back seat, close the door, scoot into the grocery store, and then just, you know, wheel myself around uh, while I had to maneuver a grocery cart. I just didn't do it. All I had to do was go on the app, pull it up, and here are my groceries. It was outstanding. So for you guys, you get 50% off DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use promo code REALITYSTEVE at checkout. That's 50% off, up to $20 minimum subtotal, zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter promo code REALITYSTEVE, don't forget that's promo code REALITYSTEVE for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. All right, let's get going. Podcast number 358. All right, let's bring him in. Uh, you can find him on Rob Has a Podcast website doing live feed updates for Big Brother. He's also on Twitch. He also covers Survivor beginning tonight as uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. Second time having him on the podcast, it is Taryn Armstrong. Taryn, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, so uh, right off the bat, just to let everybody know, we will be talking about up-to-the-minute stuff regarding Big Brother, at least up through Wednesday morning when we're recording this. So I just <laughs> want to let everybody know that going in. So I, I, I want to say this right off the bat with Cameron and Jared um, playing, uh, you know, having their competition. What is it? The Redemption, whatever. I already forgot, um, I already forgot what it was named. Redemption? What's it called? Uh, the... Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> yes, yes. There's zombies. Yeah, there's zombies, but it, like the that um, the competition on Sunday had a name to it. It was something like the Redemption something. Anyway, Resurrection Re- maybe. Resurrection. Yeah. Okay. So, for those that don't know, Cameron ended up winning. The show ended Sunday night, and he was ahead. He ended up winning. So he has the choice um, tonight in Thursday's episode, of playing in this competition or letting Jared play. And if Jared loses or doesn't finish in enough time, then Cameron gets back into the house and vice versa. First off, I want to ask you this. Having only watched Big Brother since season 21, out of the 25 seasons, has there ever been a season where someone who was eliminated had a chance to come back in the game? I know they've brought people in later in the game, but has this ever happened before? Um, yes. So okay. uh, going all the way back to season three, they, they brought uh, Amy back. Um, they, they actually voted on somebody to come back from the jury. Uh, and they've done it periodically throughout uh, their history. Um, it usually doesn't go well. Uh, I think it's one of their weaker twists because either the person like gets voted out immediately after they come back in or it just really slows the pacing down uh, of the whole season. But um, it's definitely something they've done before. Okay, so it has happened before. Now, looking at it, um, I haven't followed, so I want to let uh, fill me in here. Although I've heard rumblings or come across stuff, I thought I may have read something where Cameron has said he's not putting his fate in Jared's hands. He is going to play in this competition tonight. Is that true, or is he still deciding? That's true. I mean, that's what he said. Um, theoretically, if he gets a chance to look at it and it looks impossible, then uh, he might give it to Jared, but he definitely intends to play on Thursday. Okay, and they don't know, they won't know until they walk out in the backyard to find out what it is. He's not being given any hints or anything about what it is. The show isn't telling him, oh, it's a, it's something revolving around this, nothing like that? Right now, they don't know. Um, they also don't even know if he'll get to get a look at it before he decides. Gotcha. Okay, so I know there's been a lot of rumors this season, and CBS is obviously loving just the fact that they brought Suri on the show, loving this whole mother-son thing that nobody else knows about outside of Izzy, who's now gone, and maybe Blue. But mm-hmm. I, I don't – do you think there's anything to this whole CBS wants Suri and Jared – to go as far as possible because that would make, you know, an incredible final two mother against son, or is that just too much conspiracy theory at work? I'm sure they have rooting interests. Um, I'm sure that part of this season was set up so that they would have some, uh, some runway, uh, like a little bit of a leg up to going in just in case. 
Um, that said, uh, I feel like you can usually tell how they're feeling about their contestants based on the edit that they're given. Yeah. And uh, for a while, it really felt like they were going out of their way to protect Jared from a lot of the way that the people watching the live feeds felt about him. However, over the last week or so, it felt like they kind of gave up on that. And they were like, all right, let's let's show you the Jared and the argument and the Jared that everyone wants to target. Um, and uh, And so that to me was like, okay, they might be giving up on him. Uh, especially versus Cam, who also has a pretty negative uh, reception from the live theaters, um, but has continued to get a pretty glowing edit uh, on the show. So if anything, I think they might be more in favor of Cam at this point. Yeah, see, that's and we're going to get dive into that in a second. But to go back to something that I said, and I don't even know the, the true answer to it, and you probably will, I, I did see the conversation that was on the live feeds with Jared and Blue a few weeks ago regarding the whole... Um, you know, hinting that he's got a secret, and then Blue guessed, oh, you're related to Felicia, and he never corrected her. Did that ever change? Does Blue know that Sari is his mother or no? She still thinks it's Felicia, that there's a relation there between yeah. Jared and Felicia. <laughs> to our knowledge, she pretty quickly realized she made a mistake. He never confirmed to her, but uh, she does seem to now know that, that it's Sari. Okay. D- that it's that Sari is his mother, not just... Some sort of like an aunt yeah. or something. Okay. All right. So f- for you who covers this daily and, you know, you're on the live feeds and you're and you're watching that stuff and you know everything that's gone on all season and you're doing blog posts about this, what has been the response? I, I mean, because I don't – I just watch the show. I talk about it with a few people, but I don't dive into Big Brother world uh, as I would with Bachelor World and I know how people are feeling about that show. What has been the response to this season? Have, have people been liking this? Do they like this cast? Do they uh, is it? Do they have? Does this cast with what ten people left? Do they have more likable characters than past seasons that have ten left? What's been the overall response to this season? It's it's been very interesting. I think mostly mixed. I think through the first like forty four days or so. Um, it was mostly very positive. There was a lot going on. Um, there was a lot of sentiment in the early portion of the season that the episodes weren't really capturing just how chaotic and interesting the house was. But then the episodes started to kind of catch on, and it felt like the show was really starting to hit its stride up until around this week where everything kind of slammed to a halt and everybody has kind of collectively turned on the season this week um, because we've had to sit through a week of basically nothing happening uh and on not only nothing happening but like we're going in reverse direction because somebody's being added at the end of the week to the game again um so uh so there's been a lot of uh uh, frustration about that uh even before that though there's been a lot of like uh you know obviously sari has a ton of fans coming in myself included uh and there are some big brother fans that don't really know of sari who are kind of frustrated by that and feeling like she was, you know, the red carpet was rolled out for her. She has a son in the game. Um, and so there was some, there was some uh, grumbling about that as well. But, uh, but for the most part, I think it has been very positive uh, up until this week where, yeah, that, now everyone's kind of frustrated. Okay. So <laughs> that's interesting because, yeah, I mean, Suri fan here as well, having watched all the seasons that she's been on on Survivor, having her, you know, just a, a masterpiece in the season one of Traders that she completely dominated that game. You know, seeing her on Big Brother, I was like, this is interesting because, and I said that at the very beginning of the season, I'm like, look, it, seemingly a lot of these people know her backstory. And I, you know, if I'm in the house, as much as I would have been like, wow, Suri's here, I would have just targeted her very, very early on. You can't have her lingering around because she's going to work her magic. I mean, you see how great she is with words. You see how great she is interacting with people socially. Like, I understand that once you get into that with her, you're like, I don't want to vote this woman out. She's great. She's great to talk to. She's not mean. She's not condescending at all. But you also have to know her backstory. Like, how did these people not target her from the get-go? I mean, we talked to Rachel Riley uh, uh, last week or so uh, who played with her on The Traders. And she explained that, like, when she interacted with Suri on The Traders, Suri just made her feel so good and uh, made her want to work with her so much that she was like, you know, if she betrays me, that's okay because we're still (laughs) friends. Like, 
she just has that effect on people. Um, on top of that, there weren't really uh, any people in the house that had seen her on The Traitors, uh, which was really her most devious uh, showing. Um, and the story that she told people about Survivor is, look, I've played four times. I've never won. I've always been lo- known as a loyal player. Uh, I go to the end with my allies, and then my allies end up winning over me because I can't win competition. Uh, that's how it always plays out, and I'm sure that's how it's going to play out here on Big Brother. And uh, and they all kind of bought into it. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, she isn't lying. I mean, yeah, that's the way she plays on Survivor. It's not like she's won three times on Survivor. She's never yeah. won, you know? Um, but it's interesting because I, I, I totally feel Rachel's sentiment on that. Like, that's how Suri mm-hmm. makes you feel. Just watching through the TV screen, you'd be like, wow. That's what, that's what I said. I'm like, she's so nice. She's not condescending. She's very motherly out there. And it's just... You get this sense of I want to work with you, but then you got to know that she's very good at what she does, and not in a manipulative way. I mean, obviously she knows she's on a game show, money prize at the end, but um, there's something interesting going on that you mentioned it earlier: live feeders versus what's happening on CBS, and the two that seem to be getting um, the most hate from things that they've said and done on the live feeds are Cameron and Jared who are competing tonight, and obviously one of them's getting back in the game. My thing is, I, I've heard stuff here and there, but I want you to kind of lay out exactly what has been said by these two men. And I, I, Jared's stuff, I seem, I think I read it's been rooted in misogyny and kind of Cameron as well. What? Okay, let's first start with Cameron. What exactly has he done where we see on CBS that, he knows, you know, I'm public enemy number one. I'm voted out eight nothing. Nobody wants me here. Um, you know, I can be an ally to you guys, whatever. Um, what did he do to piss everybody off? Because like you said, on the CBS feed, um, what we see on Wednesday, Thursday, Sundays, I, you know, if you didn't know any better and hadn't read anything online or seen any clips, you would think Cameron is somebody you would root for and want to win, whereas I don't think he has a chance in hell to win this thing. Yeah, I mean, so it is interesting. I think that um, I think that especially with the smaller jury size, I wouldn't necessarily count Cameron out as a potential winner or even Jared at this point. Um, but they, there is some uh, some sentiment about him, and it's a very difficult thing to try to like explain. You know, fifty days worth of material for why like the feelings have built up against uh, people in the game when it hasn't been shown. Um, <clears throat> but the basics are just that like. People with Cameron in particular, they felt like his relationship with Riley early on in the season was a little weird. Uh, I have a soundbite that I can play for you that was from the live feeds. Uh, this, this was an interaction with Izzy. And I love Riley. Good God Almighty. I, I, and I'm, I'm weird about the way that I feel because she reminds me of my kid. But you know what? It's fucking weird. But you know. Um, which was just like the way that he was talking about Riley. Uh, he would have a conversation with her and say, hey, your relationship with Matt, you need to stop that. People are getting worried about it when nobody had talked about it other than him. Um, and then he goes on to portray that conversation with Izzy as though Riley was interested in him um, and he shut Riley down uh, and that he sees her like a daughter, but he's weird the way he feels about her. And they'd known each other for days at this point. Um, so that started kind of setting people off like this is a little weird. Um, uh, based on what he has said on the feeds, he was spoken to in the diary room about some of his comments uh, with Riley. Um, and um, and then that's now moved on to America, who is in a showman's with Corey. Uh, America and Cam have been flirting a lot throughout the season, um, but America has made it clear a few times that uh, some of Cam's flirting uh, is too much and she feels uncomfortable about it. Uh, however, the feeds often cut around when she's talking about this, so we do not know a lot of details beyond just seeing some of the weird stuff that he uh, and she will uh, sometimes be flirting about. Uh, and so um, there's been a lot of discourse about this, um, and just in general, the way that, you know, Cam, uh, beyond even just that stuff, like uh, the way that Cam kind of refuses to believe uh, that he can be wrong about anything kind of annoys people. Uh, and, um, and, and just the general way that he acts in the house. All that said, 
um, on the episodes, undeniably, he makes great television. He makes for fantastic uh, diary rooms. Um, he is very much like the underdog making big moves against the, uh, the power structure in the house. And so uh, it really is sort of like this big contrast of um, both his position in the game and how that's portrayed versus some of the ways that people are seeing him behave in the house. Um, people in the house have been joking just this week, like, hey, if one of Corey or America goes missing, we know who to look at, Cam. Uh, we hope that uh, we hide the knives in the house because what is Cam going to do? Uh, people talking about how he wants to evict Corey pre-jury so that he'll have America to himself in the jury house. Um, these are jokes from people in the house. Um, so uh, it's definitely the perception is there, but definitely hasn't been touched on the episode. Isn't there something also that he call, he gave himself or he just calls himself daddy in the house? Is oh, yeah. Another thing? I mean, that's, yeah. The last thing that needs to happen right now is daddy get trapped in the nether region. <laughs> okay. And he just decided to call himself daddy. And people are, are they weirded out by that? Or is that the audience that's just like, why is this guy calling himself daddy? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty benign over overall, but, uh, you know, <laughs> still weird. <laughs> okay, so the Jared stuff. This is something that I've come across, and I've seen a couple of them, but I don't want to misquote him. So why don't you fill people in on what Jared has said behind the scenes? But it ha I think it has something to do with basically objectifying women, the things that he has said to Blue. Isn't that kind of been it? Yeah, and, and I'll say again, like, um, I, I very much would advise people to, like, look into this stuff themselves. I never want to be, the like, the arbiter of, like, who has done or said what uh, in terms of this kind of thing. Um, you know, don't just take my word for it if you're going to, like, sort of just assume that these people are what uh, I'm saying they are. Uh, there's plenty of footage, plenty of other people who can uh, sort of fill in these gaps. But uh, to give you a sense of what uh, is, is being said and sort of the sentiment here, um, it kind of started for Jared with uh, with his relationship with Blue and how insistent he was asking her about uh, her body count, um, how many people that she has, how many men, men that she slept with, um, and how important that was to him to find out because uh, he wouldn't want to date anybody that had uh, a high body count. Uh, he got into an argument with Izzy about this um, this preference, as he calls it. Uh, and she was frustrated that it seemed very hypocritical of him to say that he would hook up with somebody but then wouldn't date them because uh, anybody that hooked up with him uh, after meeting him is not worthy of dating because they would sleep with a guy on a first date uh, or, or not on a first date, whatever you'd call it. Um, and this sort of thing escalated. He talked to Blue about how he actually has um, a person at home that he continues to shout out and say, like, love you. He was in a seven-year seven relationship with this person prior to going on the show. Um, and, uh, and, and that's kind of weirded people out a bit. Uh, we don't know a lot of the details about their relationship, but uh, it's definitely another source of sort of um, uh, frustration, I guess, with people. Um, he has made comments like, uh, I, it, you know, I recently started seeing females as people, uh, you know, because before he hadn't, um, and that uh, that sort of alarmed people as well. And so, you know, just over the course of the season, different comments, different ways that he talks uh, about people to people has uh, has turned people off and, and made uh, people feel like uh, they, they don't love the way that he is uh, speaking, especially to and about women. So this person that he allegedly has a seven year relationship with at home, has this person come forward on social media and addressed anything or nobody knows who she is? I believe she has. Uh, I, 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 I am not on top of this at all, but I've seen screenshots here and there. I can't confirm that they're real, but I've seen screenshots of like deleted tweets where she is uh, sort of um, very upset about what Jared is doing in the house um, and, uh, and stuff like that. So um, again, definitely don't take my word on that one. Um, but from what I've gathered from what the consensus seems to be of the people who know anything, it, it seems like she's, probably not very happy about the current situation with blue gotcha okay as she shouldn't be if she's if it's legit that he's been in a seven-year relationship with her and just goes on the show and doing what he's doing with blue so after mm -hmm. tonight we're gonna have nine people 
in the house. Either Jared or Cameron's coming back, and then you've got the rest uh, of the house, unless I'm blanking on somebody. I don't think I am, but if there's... With, so there'll be 10 people left after one of Cam or Jared leaves. Okay, then I'm missing somebody in my when I was when I was writing my notes. Um Huh. Who am I? Oh. You know what? And it's and it's no surprise that I'm missing her because she's literally gotten the least camera time and that is Mimi. I I just like I this person's on the show, really? Like she's never involved in anything. She hasn't won anything. She hasn't won a power veto, she hasn't won a comp, nothing. And and gotten probably the least camera, camera time outside of maybe Bowie Jane. So, okay, so I forgot to put Mimi in there. Okay, so I want to kind of run down, in my mind, and this is just me, and I want and I want your opinion because your opinion, it honestly, probably weighs a little, way more than mine does because you know more about what's going on and kind of the house dynamics. Right now, if you were to take, even and just including Jared and Cameron, and I know you said with a smaller jury of seven this year, maybe – one of those guys even has a chance to win. In my mind, I only think I only think four people can truly win this game right now. I think Matt, Jag, Corey, or Suri. If they got to the end, I, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, if they paired against this person, they would win. That would take so many combinations right now at this point. But Honestly, those are the only four people that I can see winning this game just because of of the house dynamics that I'm aware of to where I don't think – I think people would, would cheer for Matt, Jag, and Corey and, and Sari in terms of other people in the house. However, about five minutes before we started recording – I kind of scrolled your Twitter, and apparently Matt has turned the whole house on Corey. So now I need an update on what's <laughs> happening. Fill everyone in on what's happening there. So it looks like maybe Corey is out, and he has no chance to win. But maybe he does. What happened? Why did Matt now? Why has Matt flipped on Corey? Um, mainly due to Blue. Um, so in the double eviction, we saw Corey put Blue up on the block. Yeah. Uh, Blue has been very upset about that all week long and has been pushing Matt and Jag very hard to turn on Corey in America. Um, basically, anything that she can find that she can use against him, them that she has been, uh, has been doing so. Um, the biggest piece of uh, information that she got, which was able to really flip Matt and Jag uh, a couple of nights ago, was that uh, America, who is uh, prone to leaking information, yeah. um, told Blue that Corey thinks Mimi and Felicia are targeting Matt and Jag. Um, and Corey has not said that to Matt and Jag. So when Blue tells Matt and Jag, hey, Corey, apparently Corey said that Felicia and Mimi are targeting you two. They were like, why hasn't he told us? Um, Corey and America have been flirting around with the idea of a Final Four alliance with Felicia and Mimi um, that Felicia has been pushing for, but they haven't really uh, uh, dove in. Um, and they've told Matt and Jag about this Final Four. So from Matt and Jag's uh, position, from how they see things, um, they think, okay, Corey and America are telling us that they're making this fake Final Four deal with Mimi and Felicia. However, they're not telling us that Mimi and Felicia are actually targeting us. They're trying to do the same thing Sari did. They're trying to be good with everyone, and they're trying to pit us against Mimi and Felicia, and that really made them upset. They feel like Corey is using them to win comps so that they can take out the people that he wants. Um, and so uh, so they, they really got riled up, and, um, and Matt talked to Bowie about it and uh, managed to flip Bowie against them for now. Uh, now that doesn't mean that they're dead in the water though, because, um, they do still have a relationship with Jag and Matt. And just last night they were hanging out with Jag and Matt. They sort of reconfirmed their final four deal and Jag and Matt started to go, well, are they with us though for now? Like, yes, we don't trust them, but do we need to target them yet? And so it's a little bit back and forth as to whether they would actively target Corium in America. Blue certainly will though. Um, and, uh, and they have lost a lot of social capital. So hmm. that's sort of, that's as, as, as tight as I can get it. I think <laughs> with, no, that's, with all that's going on. That's a good explanation. Okay. Did not know any of that. So that's exactly why I wanted to have you on. Um, I, I think, you know, seemingly from the outside, I thought your winner is going to come from the Matt Jag Corey threesome. Like, I, I just figured mm -hmm. that was where it was going to come from this year. And it, it, it very well might. Um, so to ask you, and this is all very subjective, obviously, but 
Who do you think has no chance to win this thing? Obviously, we still got ten people left. Things can change, and new alliances can form and whatnot. But who do you think, just based on everything that you've been able to observe all season, really has no chance to win? I was I was talking about this last night. I, I think that America is maybe toward the bottom of that list right now. Um, she doesn't have the connections, the trust, or the respect right now to both get to the end and certainly win, um, especially if Corey were to end up being evicted next week pre-jury, so he's not even on the jury. That would really be devastating to her jury chances. Um, but uh, but it's also only day you know 50-something, uh, 57 today, um, so there's still 43 days left in the game, lots of time for perception to change. Uh, so I wouldn't even go that far necessarily. Obviously, Bowie has also had some difficulty winning respect in the game, but right now she's actually playing decently as like a floater, really getting in with everyone. Everyone feels like they have Bowie on the side, um, which is good for her for now, but doesn't mean that she has much influence over her fate. And also, again, when it comes to winning respect in the final two, that could prove difficult. Um, both Jared and Cam, whichever one of them comes back, they actually do have an okay landing spot for now, but their path to the end is still looking pretty tricky uh, unless they really just win out. Um, so, uh, you know, it's not looking great for either of them. Um, and, uh, you know, Felicia has been back and forth in terms of how people view her, but um, I wouldn't put it past her to win. Mimi actually, I think, has a decent shot. Uh, depending on how things go. She's one of the only people in the game that recognizes the threat that Matt and Jag pose um, and is actively targeting them, or at least was as of uh, two days ago. Not sure about from last night. Um, and then really, it's from my perspective, it's Matt's game to lose. Uh, he is in the best position by far. He's also the best suited to win a lot of these endgame competitions. Jag is also very good at these competitions and uh, is very loyal to Matt. I think Matt would fairly easily beat Jag in a final two uh, right now. So um, it's it's really Matt's game to lose. Blue has really stepped up her game ever since Jared was evicted, basically. Um, and uh, getting Matt and Jag to turn on Corey in America was pretty big for her. So um, she's still climbing sort of uphill right now, but uh, wouldn't necessarily count her out. And then Suri, of course, um, is has basically completely turned her game around from the uh, position it was in last week. She's already gotten back in with Corey and America, who are talking about trusting her again. She's got a relationship with Blue still. She's linked up with Cameron. She has a secret alliance with him. Uh, she's still uh, you know, close enough with Mimi and Felicia that they're not coming for her. Matt still has a soft spot for Suri. She's even managed to soften Jag on her, and Jag was really the person who was coming for her the most. So she's immediately found herself into a very safe position. Her path to the end still looks a little tricky because she's lost the people that would bring her down to the final two, like Jared, if he leaves, and uh, and Izzy. But uh, she's certainly on, on a way back to rebuild, so uh, I wouldn't count her out either. So the sentiment that Corey, when he was able to kind of flip everything, when it was Sari, Felicia, and Izzy running the show, and Corey exposed it, and that's why you know Izzy ended up going home, so that sentiment is kind of over now that, hey, it's not, you know, Sari and Felicia and uh, Izzy were playing all you guys and they were and they caught on to it. That's why they got rid of Izzy. But now it's like they've kind of forgotten about it. <laughs> like and now well, really, they feel they're on top. Yeah. I mean, the only reason they got caught was basically because Jared was really sloppy. And yeah. so Jared basically being out of the game has allowed Sari to be like, what? Little old me? <laughs> That wasn't me. That was, that was them. Um, and uh, and yeah, a lot of that sort of um, a lot of that suspicion has shifted to Corey in America. Uh, they're the new Suri and Jared uh, in the eyes of a lot of people in the house right now, particularly Blue. And she's trying to pass that on to Matt and Jag. Um, and, and the reality is that Matt and Jag are actually the new Suri and Jared, uh, that they are creating a lot of different alliances and a lot of different relationships with people. Um, uh, the difference being that they are both extremely good competitors, uh, potentially. So um, it's, uh, they are even more dangerous uh, here. Obviously, there's a lot of combinations left of who could sit there in the final two with you know 10 people left after Jared or Cameron comes back in the house tonight. 
I would say the best final two that this show could produce as a viewer watching aspect, at least through 57 days, would probably be a Matt and Jag final two because I think it would be very close. I I don't you know think it would be six to one or even five two. Or maybe five. Maybe there would be a five two. But there's it's still early. You know, like you said, there's still 43 days left. We just don't know who's going to say something that's going to piss somebody else off or, and whatnot. So. But it seems to be a Matt and Jag final two would probably be the best for the viewing audience. Um, I think any final two involving Suri with Matt or Suri with Jag also would be very enticing. But anybody else sitting there, at least right now, I just don't think would be what the viewing audience would want. I don't know. Uh, it's just I'm speaking on myself here. I guess. I guess I'm trying not to speak for everybody else, but. Yeah, it's I mean, it's tough. I think I think right now uh, Matt beats everyone in the final two except for maybe Suri, uh, just because uh, Suri would probably have Mimi, Felicia. Uh, if Corey's there, probably Corey, um, and then would just need one more. Uh, if Corey's not there, it might be a little trickier because Matt would probably have Jag, um, and you know I don't I don't really who knows about Blue. Uh, maybe Blue wants to throw Suri <laughs> a vote, um, but. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Suri probably has the upper hand there, but I think Matt pretty handily beats almost anyone else. Uh, if if they were to vote right now, I think he would probably beat Jag. Uh, maybe unanimously, maybe Jag would get a vote from huh. um, America. Maybe, yeah. Um, but uh, but it's it, you know again, there's lots of time left in the game. But uh, but Jag doesn't have a reputation for being very good strategically. He's been voted out already, um, and uh, and Matt has Matt is both very likable, while also having better relationships and a better reputation in the game, both like strategically uh, and sort of socially. So um, Jag has a lot of work to do, I think, if he wants to be able to take Matt to the end. Somehow, I mean, what if? What if somehow Matt and Jag don't get there and somehow Corey and America get to the final two? It doesn't look like that based on what you just said happened in the last few days. It doesn't look like those two are going to you know, last very much longer on this show, especially if someone from not if, – if one of them doesn't win next HOH, it seems like the other one or both of them might be going up. Like let's just say Matt or Jag wins next HOH. I'm assuming they're putting Corey in America up. Well, that's debatable. Matt said yesterday that he would put them both up. Jag is a little more hesitant. Jag might want to play it a little safer. Um, and also by the end of the light night last night, Matt was starting to maybe come around to Jag's way of thinking as well. Um, I think it'll be a thing where if one of them wins, a discussion will be had. Should we make that move? And if not, should we just go after Felicia? Um, because that's the sort of the other target that they're talking about. Um, and, I, and there's definitely a chance they end up going after Felicia instead uh, because it is the safer play for them. Um, but, uh, but either way, uh, you know, Corey and America still have uh, quite the, the difficult road ahead of them if they both want to make it to the end. If they were to make it to the end, uh, I do think Corey would, uh, would win that jury vote um, just because the way that people talk about America pretty consistently is, oh, she's just playing Corey's game, yeah. which I don't think is true. But uh, it's how people perceive her. Um, and he also has, again, the sort of better relationships with other people in the house. And still, I mean, no talk of whoever wins next HOH. There's been no talk of possibly putting Suri up because she was going to be backdoored in the last HOH if Matt didn't win Power Veto. So is there still no talk about Suri? Like, there's still not, hey, we need to get her out. We're getting close to the end here. You know, we're down to 10. But it's not a- only not only does nobody want Suri out next week, nobody is even going to put her on the block as of right now. <laughs> wow! I mean, so so she has. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing how she's just been able to kind of skate. And it probably, like you mentioned, it probably is better for her game if Jared isn't there. You know, I, I just yeah. If, if Jared if Jared ends up staying, I could see a scenario where she touches the block with Jared, but. Uh, but yeah, if Jared leaves, there's no, sh- I mean, right now nobody plans on it. 
and you know, I'm I'm really wondering. I, does do we know this? And going back to the the competition tonight, do we know if Cameron has to declare yes, I'm playing before he sees it, or does he have to? Do they get out in the backyard and then he says, you know what, I'll let Jared do this. Do do we know or we don't even know that yet? We don't know. Okay. Um, I you know you would assume he gets to see it first because otherwise what. Like, what are we doing here? But, uh, you know. Well, my, my whole thing would have been like, well, they're doing that and they're making him declare first so it could favor Jared. Yeah. That would be, that would have been my whole point right, was yeah. to keep Jared <laughs> in the game. Oh, oh, Cameron said he wants to play? All right, let's make it, like, fucking impossible for him to finish All right, time. Swap, swap it out for the 50-piece puzzle. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, that's – I mean, look, we talk about all this and we talk about, you know, how, how bad Jared's been, but I guess for television purposes – Outside of a you know a Matt and Suri final or maybe even Matt and Jag, you know Suri and Jared sitting there at the final two, is is something that I think the CBS viewers uh, would love to see, not necessarily the live feeders yeah. for sure, but I think CBS and the CBS network themselves would love to see a mother son final two. Yeah, I mean I I don't think uh, I don't disagree. Yeah, uh, this is it's going to be really interesting because you know. They had all these alliances, and the same thing happens, you know, even though I'm only four seasons into watching this show. It, it just seems like every single alliance, especially that happens in, like, week one, like, oh, we're good to go. You know, you, I'm, you know, you're my ride or die. And then, like, literally a week later, it changes. You know, there's so many things that change throughout the course of a season. It's impossible to just nail down, like, oh, this is a solid one outside of the cookout. I mean, those two, those six mm-hmm. on, on day two said, we're doing this, and that's why I still think it was one of the greatest things I'd ever seen uh, on reality TV, like an alliance that actually started early that kept their word and decided we're doing this and never wavered. Um, it just doesn't happen, especially on this show, because so many things change. Like you could say like, oh, we're we're five strong, we're six strong, whatever the name is. I've, I've, I've lost track of how many stupid alliance names have happened this season. Um, I, I just – I've totally lost track of them. The seven deadly sins, the, the – Mm-hmm. The for real, for real, like, huh? What? Who? I always lose track of this stuff. Unless I'm taking notes, I would never remember who's in what alliance. But it seems like when they do this, I'm always like, okay, you guys, you six, okay, you guys are strong, right? Well, if one of you doesn't win HOH and someone from outside your alliance wins, two of you from your group of six is probably going up, which means one of you is probably going home. So, Clearly, you can't say we're six strong to the end when you have no idea what's happening in competitions. Like, I've never understood that. And again, all the more testament to the cookout that they were able to do that because it's not like everybody from the cookout just alternated winning HOHs. You know, there were obviously people outside of their HOH that or outside of their cookout that won comps last year. And yet they still were able to manage to get their six to the final six. The other ones... It's just like you understand if you someone from your group doesn't win, that means someone from your group is probably going up, if not two. So never really understood that. But then again, I haven't played the game. Yeah. So um, that's, that's the beauty of Big Brother. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, and, it's, and that's why secrecy is paramount with these alliances. Yeah. Uh, if people don't know that you're an alliance. They can't put two of you up. What is the <coughs> excuse me? What is the um, right now? uh the sense that you're getting for uh, AFP. Um, I mean, I think that's I think that's tricky. I think that uh, obviously we saw Suri, Matt, Jag, and Corey were voted for the Path to Power competition. I think since then Cameron has really had a glow up in his edit, um, and it would not surprise me if he were able to sneak into that top four if that vote were to happen now. Um, but given the trajectory of the game, I would be surprised if it doesn't go to Suri or Matt. I think they're both going to be around for a while longer, whereas Cam might be cut short uh, soon. Plus, they might eventually go in on Cam and some of his uh, weirdness, um, whereas uh, Matt is uh, at least a bit cleaner. Um, and uh, and Suri is always a fan favorite. So I, I would assume Suri or Matt uh are the the top contenders yeah no i i i mean just looking at the list here it's like yeah i mean those are your two and wasn't um if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong here 
Wasn't Taylor the first one to ever win and win America's Favorite Player? Or did I? Yeah. Did I already, okay, so she's the only one that's ever done that. Uh, I have a feeling if Matt wins this thing, he he might be the second one um, to get the double. I just Suri is also obviously a possibility, and she's got a shit ton of fans out there. So I guess we got to consider that. But yeah, I think if Matt wins this thing, he could possibly pull off the double for the second year in a row. Um, so a lot of great Big Brother talk there. I really appreciate that. I, I want to quickly end with. Season 45 of Survivor. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday so afternoon, so first episode hasn't aired. It's the first time in the history of the show we're going to get 90-minute episodes for a whole season. We've had one-offs here and there of 90-minute episodes, but first time, 90-minute episodes of Survivor, and it took 45 seasons to do it. Um, what are your thoughts going in? Do you like 40? I mean, it's hard to know because we haven't seen the episode and how they're going to mm-hmm. edit it out, but you've, you've read preseason interviews and stuff like that. Um what is your sense of the 90 minute episodes? I'm excited at the prospect of them. I think that one of my biggest issues with the modern era of survivor is that I feel like we're not getting enough explanation of like what's happening, uh, you know, out there. I feel like we're spending so much time on advantages and, uh, and I, and I like digging deeper into the stories of the contestants, but I do feel like sometimes that's eating into the, uh, portrayal of the strategy of what's actually happening and they're leaning really heavily on like surprising us at tribal council but what it leaves me feeling is very disconnected from the events that are going on because i don't understand how we got from point a to point b yeah. um and uh and so my hope is that with more time uh they can start showing more of the strategy again start showing more of the interactions the relationships um instead of just telling us uh, what's happening or just surprising us with what happens at tribal that we maybe get a little more explanation. We get to see a little more continuity of, uh, of the event um, because that's what I feel really grounds you in, uh, in the season and helps you remember, uh, you know, what happened. Like when I think about the events of seasons 41 through 44, uh, it's like, yeah, I remember who won. I remember who almost won, but like, day to day, I don't really remember the stories of those seasons. Um, and even just like going back to season 40 and before that, like I, I remember more of, of what happened in those seasons uh, because there was more of like a through line um, of like the story that, that persists throughout. Uh, so that's what I'm really looking for in 90 minute episodes is that more storytelling, more, uh, more events on what's happening in the, on the island. What I hope doesn't happen is that, oh, we get 90 minutes we can spend more time on the advantages and more time on the idle hunts and uh, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, more time on tribal councils uh, because man, do I not like tribal councils these days. Do you think they're just too long? They're so boring to me. They're, they're ten, yeah, they're like almost 10 minutes long most of the time. And it's just like, it's just who can come up with the next metaphor. What is survivor like? It's like <laughs> driving a car. It's like flying in an airplane. It's like, Swimming in the ocean, uh, it's, it, I feel like it gives me nothing every time. It's it's a tricky balance if you're an editor on Survivor because to pull off a blindside for the viewer, mm-hmm. or not not necessarily the viewer, the, the the person in tribal councils, because they're choosing not to show you how the blindside was set up, or at least for that person. But we see mm-hmm. as viewers, sometimes it's it's like sometimes we see it and we like. Oh, I think it's coming. But even for us as a viewer, sometimes the blind side comes because we weren't shown what was happening back at camp and we weren't shown specific conversations because if we were shown that conversations, we would have known, oh, my God, this person's going home and they have no idea it's coming. So it's I feel like sometimes, yeah. sometimes we've gotten it and then sometimes we don't. And that's that's the tricky balance as an editor. It, it, it can't be easy, but it also is like, yeah, like you're saying, it's like we kind of need to know more of where did this come from. And I noticed in the last couple seasons, we find it out the next episode where they where they give yeah. us a, uh, a replay of, well, this is the reason why they were voted out because this happened bef- an hour before Tribal took place. I'm like, oh, okay, well, clearly if they would have shown us that in the last episode, it wouldn't have blindsided anybody watching the episode. So I guess who are you catering to, the viewing audience or – the actual people involved in the game like i don't know um 
it is an interesting dynamic and it, and it can't be easy, but I, I get what you're saying when it comes to that, because, you know, look, they do spend a lot of time there. They have so much footage. It's just like, what do we show the audience? What do we want them to know? And yeah, I, I just, I, I think for me personally, at least, especially in the most recent seasons, like I don't want to be blindsided and confused. I don't want to be like, wait, what, why did that happen? Yeah. I want to be like, Oh, they did it. I really didn't think they would. Yeah. And I immediately know why, because you've shown me all the reasons, all the pieces to put together as to why it might have happened. Um, I don't want it. I don't want it to be like, OK, so it's either going to be this or this. And then it's like, nope, it's a third option. But like, OK, but why? I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why that was set up. Like, was that like what, what happened here? Yeah. Um, and then it leaves me like guessing as to like what happened. And then maybe sometimes in the next episode, they'll explain why. And maybe sometimes they won't. Um, and, uh, and even beyond that personally, like, I don't mind knowing what's going to happen sometimes going in like, oh, there's a big blind side and I know it, but the person doesn't. And that can be tense too. Um, like, will they find out, uh, or like what, how are they going to react? Um, so, uh, you know, I, I do think it's a delicate balance and I think it's one that they, that they've done successfully in the past. So yeah, my hope is that 90 minutes only adds to the episodes and, um, makes them, better and more interesting yeah and i think you know like you said there's sitting there if we know as an audience that someone's going to be blindsided it is kind of fun sometimes to sit there and see that person that we know is going to be blindsided how mm -hmm. they how they do talk about even though you hate tribal council um the confidence in their voice about you know maybe thinking that well i'm i'm certainly not going home i'm, I'm thinking i'm running the show here and you know yeah. just the way they talk is kind of fun to then see oh shit the whole the whole tribe was turning against me and I had no idea. I thought I was running this thing. You know, that's fine. That's kind yeah, of fun. Those tribal councils well. I would like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's really interesting. The one thing we are going to get that people I don't know if people know this yet. They're going old school with the intro. So starting in episode two, mm. we're going to get all. Is it 16 or 18 this season? It's 18, right? Three tribes of 16, yeah. six to start. OK, um, we are going to get the when the show starts, the music set with video footage, the two or three seconds of each competitor in the game, which I can't remember the last season that that happened in it. They, they cut that a while ago just because they want to dedicate more time to the episode because showing that whole intro is another, I don't know, a wasted, not wasted, but takes about, I don't know, 45 seconds to a minute. And Jeff Probst has always said every mm -hmm. second we have a footage is important and we just had to cut it out do you remember what season that ended are you are you I a historian don't. like that uh not not enough not with survivor <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember when they cut that yeah um and then my biggest beef uh, i i just i i hate the fact that they i understand it's 26 days now but um jeff introing 39 people you know, 39 days, 18 people, one survivor has always been like the coolest thing in the world for me. And ever since mm -hmm. they went to 26 days, he won't do it. Why can't he say, you know, 26 days, 18 people, one survivor? He won't do it. Like, I, it bothers me, pisses me off. I hate it. Um, I want them to bring that back. I don't think it's going to happen, though, unfortunately. Do you, do you have any yeah. preferences? I mean, since it went to 26 days, Obviously, the game is you know moving a lot faster, and it just seems like there's a lot of stuff thrown at them versus a 39-day stay. But what's been your biggest beef with a 26-day season? Um, I think I think my biggest beef has probably been that uh, we've heard a lot in the exit interviews that there are a lot of like moves that either didn't happen uh, or like could have happened but didn't uh, because. Um, because they didn't have enough time to, to strategize and talk. Uh, that They were like, yeah, it was just so rushed. We never got a chance to like solidify this plan, so we ended up having to just do this other thing. Um, and that seems weird to me. Like, um, like, they should have enough time to make sure they have the strategic conversations that they need to to make the moves that they want to. Uh, and, and if I'm hearing like multiple times that like, oh yeah, you know, we just ran out of time, never got a chance to talk, then, uh, I feel like we're missing out on gameplay that, uh, that could have happened otherwise. Yeah. And seemingly there seems to be 
even though it's 26 days and it's two weeks shorter than a, uh, you know normal seasons, I, there's still a lot of downtime. You would think, you know, after a challenge, you just right, go back yeah. to your tribe and sit there. You know, I, it, yeah, it is. It is a little confusing, but I, I do understand because it seems like a lot of stuff is being thrown at them and these, you know, the walks that they have to do and, um, you know, turn the dial for this and. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm still not a huge fan of all these different advantages. And even when they put it on the screen, when they're showing somebody in a confessional and it says they have one idol, I'm telling you, I, I, I say this to Fishback every time I have him on at the end of the season. I'm like, Steven, unless I take notes during this show, if someone gets an idol and someone finds an idol in episode two, and I'm still watching in episode nine, and it says they have one idol. I've already forgotten how they got the idol. Like, it's just, it's, yeah. you know, it's like, it, because there's so many things going on. And wait, how did they get it? Did they get it through that one advantage where they did this and they turned the dial? It just, you know, I ho- I wish they would just go back to there's an idol hidden, go find it, as opposed to all these advantages. I know they're bringing back the auction this year. That's another thing that's coming back, mm-hmm. which we haven't had in, a long time, but Probst is being really cagey about that and about what it, what it, what it represents. Because he said, "Look, I don't want to do an auction where it's just you buy food, and that's what the auction used to be." But then he said, "I don't want to yeah. do an auction where everybody knows there's an advantage at one of the auction prizes, so everyone just saves their money until the end, and no one really buys anything, and everyone's got the most amount of money left until the end, and then someone buys an advantage." He goes, "This is basically going to be." I don't know, a mixture of that. And um, we'll see how it plays out. I've always liked the auction. Um, I didn't mind the food buying, um, and, but maybe mm-hmm. that's maybe that's just me. But, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Survivor has always been my all-time favorite reality show. I really enjoy it. I watch every season, and then I forget by the start of the next season who even won the season before. It's just – it's crazy yeah. to me. Like, I, I'm drawing a blank now on who – I, I say that, and then I'm like, wait a second. Who won last season? I already forgot. Tell me. Jam Jam. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. You you refresh my memory, and they're like, oh, yeah, of course. Jam Jam won. Right, yeah. But, like, <laughs> on the top of my head, I'm like, I, I would have sat here for 10 minutes. I'm been like, wait a second. Oh, wait. You know. So, anyway. Um, Taryn, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate all your Bray Brother insight, because a lot of the stuff that you said today, I did not know or I needed some real clarification on. And uh, it definitely brings out... Uh, a different way to watch the show, obviously, if you're a live feeder versus uh, a CBS watcher. And, you know, not even knowing that I, I figured Corey was in the driver's seat uh, up until I had this conversation with you. <laughs> now it looks like he's in trouble. Um, that's interesting. Uh, or he might not be. Like you said, Matt and Jag, see, or Jag isn't 100% sold, and Matt's starting to come around on maybe not going after him next if they if they win. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, it's still still a little bit up in the air, okay. um, but it, it's still you know overall not great, but uh, might not be quite so dire. Okay, so all right, I really appreciate it, Taryn. Love having you on. Thanks again. Enjoy the rest of this Big Brother season. We'll see how this thing plays out. And thank you. All right, thanks, Taryn. Thank you so much to uh, Taryn for coming on. Really appreciate that. Like I said, we recorded yesterday. So you probably have already watched Survivor from last night. And in my daily roundup uh, earlier this morning, I, I talked about the Survivor episode and my thoughts early on, obviously. First episode, it's tough to remember everybody's name. And I probably don't remember half their names. But I talked about that, talked about the 90 minutes and what I liked and disliked about it. So uh, check that out. Obviously, tonight we'll be watching live eviction show for Big Brother. We'll well, it's not really an eviction show because nobody is up for nominations. It is whether or not Cameron decides to play, what the challenge is, and if he compl- if he decides to play and he completes it, then he's back in. If he plays and he doesn't complete it, complete it in time or whatever the challenge is, Jared's back in the house. So, what ramifications will it have for one of them to get back in? So, I'm looking forward to it, and I appreciate all of uh, Taryn's insight because he is a live feed watcher. And as you know, I have not watched any of the live feeds. I've just seen clips on social media all season long. 
But what he said about Jared and Cameron is very, very interesting because the Jared stuff I had heard and maybe even seen one clip uh, where he was having that conversation with people in regards to women and their body count, which is, I mean, how old is this guy? I mean, it, that's just, it's it's disgusting. And it's probably why I start hearing all this sentiment towards Jared that, God, I hope this guy doesn't win. What an absolute asshole he is. And to find out that he had a seven-year relationship back home that he's still in and she's already pissed off. It's like, okay, maybe this guy shouldn't win and hopefully he doesn't get back on the show tonight. And then the Cameron stuff, I really wasn't aware of that. I just knew he wasn't liked and I didn't know why he wasn't liked. Now I know, and that is a little bit creepy for sure. So we'll see. Doesn't seem like either of them have a chance to win anyway, so it doesn't really matter who gets back in the game tonight, but you never know. Things change. Anyway, uh, thank you, Taryn, for coming on. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review. As I said, the Daily Roundup is in your Reality Steve podcast feed. It went up a couple hours ago. The Sports Daily is also in a separate feed if you're interested in that. But enjoy Big Brother tonight. We'll see what happens. We'll obviously be talking about it tomorrow in the Daily Roundup. So for Taryn Armstrong, I'm Reality Steve. Thanks you all for tuning in, and I will talk to you tomorrow.